One, two, three, four. Hodgson around to Carey. Hodgson lassoed by Callis. Look at Callis. Look at Callis. And the All Blacks starting quickly. And that's a set. And away goes for Lau. I don't think they were running down. Kicks it. Takes it. That is a blinder from Nathan Lyon. Callis. Big boy back and we can't run down. Oh boy. Where are we? Big boy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have taken a week off. We are on Smoko, but we are back with a full wrap-up of the Australian sports scene. I'm joined around the Redfern community hall table with my three lovely co-hosts, Fisho, Jack, Joe. Boys, how are we feeling? Erstwhile, colleagues, it is good to see you after a week off. But unfortunately, the dream is dead. The Reds have lost three in a row. <laughs> oh, the and another season is over. <laughs> no, no, we're feeling good because we have been on the punt. We have, yeah. boys and girls. We went to the races on Saturday. And what did we what did we discover? Did, does Winks! Anybody... Winks! Well, wouldn't know it from another horse, but by God, she's I like, quick. I like number the, nine. I like, number nine. I like that Joe discovered it. 25 races in. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say I wasn't there. (laughs) I liked the brown horsey. (laughs) But I also had a very good point. Have you noticed that horse racing is actually racist? Uh, All of the the white horsies can only be official horsies. They can't be racy horsies. So what if you're a white horsey that wants to be a racy horsey, but you can't because it's not socially and like appropriate for you to be a racy horse? Because you always want to be the dark horse. Oh, well done, well done, well done. <laughs> Boys, uh, apart from the races, do we have any learnings this uh, week? Do I've we have got... any outtakes from uh, the, the week in sport as uh, it was? I've got an outtake. The entire round of AFL this week. Oh, that's a bit harsh. It's, this was, this... <laughs> I don't like where this is going. Oh, <laughs> so that's not an outtake. That's a, a statement about a thing. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> what's the learning? Let's, what's let's, the so what? Let's have a look at the margins of the games this week. Oh, we on. had... 48 points, 31 points, 93 points, 7 points, 86 points, 80 points, 22 points, 67 points, and 47 points. But there was two huge upsets in there, so it off offsets. Tom, only three of the nine games were within six goals. Wow, that's really good. How many... <laughs> Not good at all. Good Remember how last season all of the games were really close all the time? It's as yeah. if the AFL was trying to correct itself. So what are you going to do about it? Watch rugby. Got him. Got him. I'm going to watch rugby. What about you, Joe? What did you learn? Uh, Tom, I learned the bookies can be wrong. <laughs> Rare, because I thought they were always right. No, the bookies can be wrong, because as you have uh, stated, we all went to the races at Randwick on a, a sunny Sydney weekend, and we were hitting long odds all day, weren't we, boys? We were all up at the end of the day. It was fucking brilliant. I was up $2.50 at the end of the day. <laughs> I thought it was 12 but I miscalculated. <laughs> Regardless, we were all up, which never happens, um, you know, on long odds as well. So then I, I, I come, come home about 100 bucks up, I decided to consolidate my winnings with a conservative bet on Manly at home. Oh, no. <laughs> short, short odds on the bookies. I was like, yeah, no, it's fine. Bookies aren't wrong in this. Steamrolled by the Tigers 38 to 12. See you later. I, uh, what, I should what, note, so I, was, I was on the Tigers. <laughs> what, were, what were Manly paying? When you, like, literally, so Manly about $1.40. Tigers, what were they? Two? T- $2.40, yeah. So did yeah. you put your $2.50 back into the yeah. Tigers? Yes. 
No, I actually put. Um, I, I had twelve dollars fifty, but I had, sorry, I had twenty two dollars fifty at the end of the at the end of the day. But uh, I owed Cody twenty bucks, so I had to pay him back. Uh, but then, so I paid him out of my bank account, so I still had the twenty two dollars fifty. I put half of that on one game and won, and then I put half of it on the Tigers and won that as well. So I'm looking for other things to bet on. Please remember, listeners, gamble responsibly. Um, my learning for the week was I think that we sometimes forget who the most Australian international global athlete is. I know I use international and global, which are both words that mean the same. But who is the most Australian global athlete? John Aloisi! Steph Curry. No, incorrect. It's Daniel Ricciardo. This man, <laughs> oh, the shoey master. This man could not be any more Australian. If it wasn't, so Daniel Ricciardo won the Chinese Grand Prix. Yeah. And he had TPP, mate. Sean, I'll do that to you. TPP. Hey, he could be the he could be the chief ambassador for the TPP. China's not in the TPP. No, it's not. But let's forget that. Um, okay, so Tom is desperately not, trying to make his point. <laughs> you two muppets. Are- so not only is he the Aussie that does the shoey, right? A classic one. How's this for an amazing line? When being when being asked, all right. Daniel, can you please step us through your overtake move on Valtteri Bottas to win the Chinese Grand Prix? His key quote was, he said, look, mate, sometimes you just got to lick the stamp and send it. There's some real Grom talk How for you. How great is that? That's that is fresh incredible. out of Snapperock. That is the most Australian response it. to a post-race interview I've ever like heard. Sometimes like, you just got to lick the stamp and send. That's it. like better than Fair Shake of the Sauce Bottle. <laughs> he's, he's trying. It's like he's trying to fill the void that Nick Cummins left mm. when he stopped playing rugby and he's started got, going on reality TV. I don't mind it. I quite yeah. like it. Jack, you're learning to round it out. My learning for this week is that New South Wales are fucked when Kirtley Beale retires because. They only win with him. He's carrying. He absolutely carries that team. And uh, it's a sad sight to see because uh, he's back and they keep winning. It's but what about Nick Phipps? Who's oh, still injured. Boom. Oh, okay. We don't care about thick yeah. nips. Fuck that guy. Thick nips. Don't ask Warnie. It was Caraman Joe. So you can't bowl and you can't throw. The bedrock of Australian sports was shook this week with the announcement that Channel 9, as of 2019, will no longer be covering the cricket. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, very sad. Channel 7 and Foxtel have won the rights to host a fair chunk of the cricket. $1.2 billion to host all cricket that is played in Australia. Mate, it is the biggest deal since World Series cricket. So we're talking tests, we're talking BBL, we're talking women's, we we're talking, talking ODIs. Absolute, absolutely all of it. I heard they did not want the Sheffield Shield, though, which is a real letdown. Well, no one wants the Sheffield <laughs> Shield, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, aside from the single bloke that's paid to commenta- commentate them on the, online. He just keeps himself do- company for not sure who five he is. days. Is it Sean Maloney? <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like a less well paid Sean Maloney. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, really exciting news though. Channel Seven and Foxtel have bought in the Gumnut Brains Trust to supply some strategic consulting advice around the fan experience. Boys, this is this is the dream brief. This is mm. what this is what dreams are made of. We have a entire TV broadcast experience that we can influence. Almost all of what we've decided are BT jokes. Yes, yeah. they are. So, Joe, 
If you were to step into the executive producer chair, what are some of the key changes that you're making to Cricket on 7? Oh, it just feels weird. Yeah. It is weird. Um, look, I automatically go, okay, we have a big opportunity to fix some of the biggest gripes that people have. That's good. And Let's start with the problems and with, work with, backwards. With the nine commentary team. Yes. All right. So basically slats. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. What it is is, I mean, Jack. Jack's mentioned it before. It's it's basically just the like catches win matches. There's no real substance to it anymore, apart from Warney. Yes. So I think if you go, the problem is the commentary team is not like it used to be, where it was a, a little bit like restrained where it needed to be. They had a bit of banter, but it was mostly informative. You know, where do we go for Channel 7? Do they just buy the old commentators or mm. do they bring in Big Brucey? Like, what's the answer? Well, it is a bit of a case of survivor, isn't it? Do we think anybody mm. will outlast, outplay? Oh, from, the, I, from the regulation team. Yeah. I, I think this is interesting because cricket is unique in that it doesn't require any real skill in speaking quickly to call it. No. It requires that you it's can look like at a ball calling and you, horse race. And you yeah. analyse it afterwards. So... Uh, I was thinking from, from, from this perspective, you could, uh, you could come at it from a red button perspective. So you use the red button, and if you want the lads having a chat... Oh, I like it. We have Mick Slater and Michael Clark over here, on, and it's on mute. It's brilliant. It automatically mutes it for you. Or you've got analysis with Chappelle, or you've got disgraced former cha- captain Steve Smith. Pick your own commentary. Oh, I like this is that. The first, this is it's the first step. It's a it's a mega wall. It's oh my mega, god! It's a mega wall of commentary. Because Channel Seven do love a mega wall. I'm not oh, sure if you've tennis. ever watched but the I tennis never, or the Commonwealth that's, Games. That's what I was going to say because I was like, all right, well, what sports does Channel Seven do? And did you guys know they lost the tennis? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I trade really, nine. Nobody's idiots. really too yeah. sad. Um. So, but I was like, well, what do I like that the tennis do? Well, one, the mega wall. So you need to have four games of cricket going at any one time. Mm. Um. But secondly, what I like that Channel Seven often do is because Leighton Hewitt, the last few years of his career he's always getting out in the first round and then they bring him in to commentate so after you get out you go up to commentate Ooh, Ooh, like it usman yeah, kawaja would do very well that. with that role yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> always out early okay so that's interesting i really like the i really like the different form like pick your own commentary well because like certain people like everyone's got their own tastes in terms of commentators i love Ian Chappell, because he's just, he's got an opinion and he's basically the closest thing cricket's got to the alt-right. Like he's just, <laughs> he, he knows what he, he knows what he's about and he's not fucking around. Yeah. But as a result, his analysis is very good. I can't fucking stand listening to the boys club, but other people are like, you know what? That Michael Slater, he sounds hot. Okay, I think I we need do to not agree I think with we those need people. to rethink the boys club because I would definitely listen to Warney, uh, KP. And Mick Malloy oh, have a band well, about AFL. Take the best of Triple M. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best. Sorry, about uh, cricket. Yeah, 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 no, I agree. But yeah. what if you had a format to it? So I was thinking about this. If, 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 if we're, like, you, can do, you can solve problems with cricket. You can also take the best of Channel 7. The best of Channel 7 is that the AFL has at any one time six commentators. Yes. So what if you had a one commentator per end and one commentator depending on where the ball went? Fantastic idea. I like that a lot. You know what else the AFL and Channel 7 does really well? They do boundary riders 
What if you just had a commentator standing next to the umpire? I, I think we know who this commentator would be. I think it should be Brian Taylor. Brian. Roaming, <laughs> Brian is roaming, now roaming the field. Roaming Brian, not in the rooms, on the field. Yeah. He's, just, he's, he's like Brian. around square leg. If, Brian. if the ball hits him, it's four runs. <laughs> I just like the idea of roaming the, Brian. It's like the helmet. Like yeah. The Australian cricket team is just one, and roaming Brian has to sneak into the Aussie rooms when they're singing Under the Southern Cross I Stand. <laughs> and is forcibly objected by a drunk Mark Taylor. Well, that's another thing that Channel 7 AFL does very well. They put the cameras in the middle of the song mm. so they could do that for Under the Southern Cross. You can't do that with Australia. Like, no, it's that too is, secret it's, boys' You're club. not allowed to do but that. But maybe it's that's part of the culture change that's on its way. Oh, I think you... So we, we, what we've done is we've, we've solved commentary, basically. Yes. But what we're getting into now is broadcast and, you know, TV angles. I'm thinking the things that we love about cricket, like in, in terms of the, the technical brilliance mm. of Hotspot and of Hawkeye... Yes. And of those kinds of things, you know, um, was it spider cam? Oh, I like that. Is there anything Seven could, could bring to the um, game there? I was going to say they're very good with their, like, player trackers on the tennis court. Mm. Like, they can do uh, Andy Murray's run 14Ks this match or oh, something. Yes. I've so seen much. that with Channel 9, though. It's kind of like, because you can do that with, it's easier to do this stuff with cricket because people aren't falling all over the shop as much. So, yes. like, the technology is in less danger. So this doesn't exist, but we can invent it. What about <laughs> what about like a shot simulator, right? So let's just say what that, hawk shot? No, no, I can't. No, I kind of, but not really. Let's just say it's called snapshot. Let's just say Mitchell Stark, instead of playing a straight bat defensive, has gone for a slog sweep over the over the fence. What if we could go back and be like, well, if he'd actually just dab that to long on it would have been four runs based on the ball trajectory and where the bat is. So you can actually oh, okay. change the shot yeah. of the batsman to determine if he played a different shot. Anyway, I'm okay, getting, so a adding I'm a getting ahead of yourself, but I love getting it. Ahead no, but it's a good idea. So adding, so adding tech innovation as well as innovation in the, the commentary team mm. is what you're saying. But the biggest problem I think that Channel 7 is going to face is, boys, they've bought too much of it. They have bought, as Jack said, literally every form of cricket, televised cricket, that this country plays. Now, there is only one Channel 7. Granted, oh. there is 7-2 seven, two, seven, two and 7-mate. Yeah. But how are they going to fit all of this cricket in? How are they going to schedule this behemoth? Well, that's a really good question, Tom, because you're forgetting about Fox Sports oh. and the key role that Fox Sports plays here. Now, I've done a draft schedule, okay? Oh, and I was oh. thinking that even if... Uh, my, my starting point was, well... We're going to have the world's first 24-hour cricket channel. That sounds amazing to me. And I was like, how the fuck are we going to staff that? And then I was like, we've got 11 unemployed commentators from Channel 9 looking for jobs. Who gets what? Exactly. (laughs) So the following is a 24-hour schedule. (laughs) 6 till 8 a.m., mornings with Mick and Mick with Michael Clark and Michael Slater. It's your annual cricket (laughs) gossip column. (laughs) Uh, and even Michael Clark looks like a fucking okay, talk show host now. You're giving Slater and Clarky the like morning drive slot. Uh, well, exactly. Oh, no, I'm giving them fu- TV. I'm no one's watching Today Show. Oh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Eight and nine. It's cross bat with Chapelli, which is kind of like the O'Reilly factor, except it's Ian Chapel interviewing people <laughs> and then and yelling, yelling at, at them. them. <laughs> <laughs> nine till eleven is Queer Eye for the Cricket Guy, starring the stylish Mark Nicholas and Shane Warne. <laughs> 
Uh, um, 11 till 12, uh, reruns of David Warner Ultimate Fighter. Um, <laughs> 12 till 1 is advertising infomercial space, but it's solely for the use of Fujitsu and Mark Taylor. <laughs> 1 till 3. It's an hour and a half long air conditioner. <laughs> 1 till 3 is This Is Queensland with Ian Healy as he takes you on his uh, a tour of the best spots of Queensland. Three sponsored, till... by, sponsored by BCF, that's Exactly. Long. 3 till 5, Stephen Smith. Oh, God, Disgrace. we're not even halfway... Oh, the documentary. The documentary. It's <laughs> a forty-part through day It's one. a forty-part series <laughs> that goes for two hours every day. Um, six p.m. till ten p.m. The cricket's on, <laughs> and then ten till six a.m. is a live feed of James Brayshaw in a locked room. <laughs> I think you've solved it, and I think the other thing here to be aware of is all of the ad inventory. You're going to have filled with KFC ads because oh you're not just God, buying the yes. cricket, you know, uh, as a telecast. But all those sponsors, they're going to want to advertise with you. I tell you what, KFC white goods. But I just, I, I did just have a thought. What if KFC just pulled their sponsorship money for the next ten years and just bought and the bought rights the cricket. to the cricket? Oh, what? So, it's, so it's, it's, it's the cricket. Like you have to be in a KFC to watch the cricket. That's good. <laughs> That's why we're marketing geniuses. That's brilliant. <laughs> so we've solved it then. We've, we are brand we detectives. Oh, I forgot to tell you about uh, during mornings with Mick and Mick, there's a pitch report from a hologram of Tony Gregg. Oh, that's cute. I suggested Cameron Ling. So we'll, <laughs> we'll leave that there. Boys, the Commonwealth Games wrapped up overnight and I can proudly say to three of you, some of my closest friends in the world, that I didn't watch any of it. Not a second. Not a second. Like wow. not, a, not an opening ceremony. The only bits that I have seen are when Kate Campbell lost to her sister, Bronte Campbell. Just reminding you all that Kate Campbell is another person that I have met in a past life. Yes. Uh, of course, you swam in the lane next to her. Yeah, exactly. At the, at the uh, Brisbane Community Pool. Was, was she six and a lot better than you? Uh, no, she was the same age as me and uh, on a sporting scholarship to QUT. Okay. Well, there you go. But so what I would like to know from you three gentlemen is, what did I miss? Well, Jack... Not a great deal, but we'll at least make the segment out <laughs> we of this. Give it a so, yes, yeah, so we're going to do the good, bad and the ugly of the Commonwealth Games to bring Jack up to speed with what happened. Let me start with the good. Uh, so here is the good. One thing I loved about the Paralympic Games, one thing I loved about the Commonwealth Games is... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, why is he saying it here? Oh, <laughs> Sorry. One thing I loved about the Commonwealth Games, and I think it's something that the Olympic Games should actually take note of, is what they do, instead of having a normal people Commonwealth Games and then a a paraplegic uh, Commonwealth Games, they integrate them. So all the para events are actually mixed into the normal program, and it's fucking awesome because I was watching the track and field the other night, and you'll go from somebody running the di- sorry somebody uh, doing discus whatever yeah. world champion whatever to one of the like disabled T thirty eight one hundred meter sprints, and it's awesome because you get 
these guys some airtime. It was awesome. Yeah, that was really Yeah, look, I agree with you, Tom. I also had that as my good, but I had a little asterisk on that because oh, no. well, what did you do? It depends on the coverage. <laughs> some of the coverage was good and seamless and they introduced what the events, but in the times where they were a bit slack, you, again, you'd be watching, you know, the able but like the discus or the long jump or something or the running, and then they'd switch to the para event and you'd be like, wait a second, how come he's got no arm? <laughs> Or like, how come how come the person coming second suddenly doesn't have a leg? Like, so it got a bit confusing. Oh, are you saying like they swapped between them too quickly? So we need, yeah. yes. we need better signposting. You need some signposting. Okay, so that's something they can improve on. But I think generally the fact that they were integrated into the event gave them some more airtime. Agreed, absolutely. And I thought it was uh, I thought it was yeah. really really good. Can I actually I- watched a great race where a Nigerian bloke with legitimately no arms was doing the 100 meter sprint, and um, he pulled a hammy. Like in the last ten meters, and like it was the same raw emotion, and like he was in pain. It was. It must be fucking great. hard to run without arms. Yeah, you need like balance quite all a lot. Balance, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got another good, and like let's let's like go from the deep to the shallow here. The good was eighty gold medals to Australia, topping the medal tally. Is that our highest ever? Oh, uh, it's. I haven't done the numbers. I should have. Um, it's Although, up didn't there. Ian Thorpe win eighty one year? <laughs> By himself, yeah. of um, course. Ian Thorpe in the long jump. Um, I, I think. I think that this is for for Australia's ego boost, which is it everyone's is. highest concern. This is the problem. This is the shot in the arm we needed because London was a bit disappointing. Glasgow, England, topped the Commonwealth Games, knocked us off for the first time in many years, and then Rio like was also a bit dodged. Do you know why the you know, you know why England managed to finally beat us in Glasgow? It's because in the run up to London, they yeah, they, put they put. Infinite, like infinite money into sport, like nearly as much as we do. Yeah, but we did that before Sydney. Like no, everyone, no, they did that. exactly yeah. the same thing. It's just, it, yeah, because so, someone finally spent as much money as we do on sport. Yeah, exactly. All right, but it's not all about the money, is it? Because yeah. my other um, good takeout from the, the games was that someone who doesn't earn that much money got finally got his time in. Son, and that's Brandon Stark. Yes, yes. the brother of I Mitchell love Stark. This. For the built, first ten minutes, the uh, literally after every jump, they should have said Brandon Stark, of course, brother of Mitch Stark. Because for the first ten minutes of watching that event, I'm like, that guy's got a last name like Stark, and he looks a lot like Mitchell. I wonder <laughs> if he's the brother. I wonder if he's the brother. I wonder if he's the brother. It took them twenty minutes to say that he was the brother. Well, it's good that they took him twenty minutes. I think that the 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 ugly part of this is that no one made a joke about high jumping over the wall. As yeah, practice. that was like Game of Thrones. Doesn't keep up so much. Oh, Stark, Stark. Yeah, right. Okay, Cultural we reference. Yeah, we got him there. Yeah, also, I know it's not back on until next year, but Westworld does start next week. Watch it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but how funny is that? How funny is that? Like one brother takes like the most popular sport. Like one of the most popular sports in Australia as his career path, the other goes, nah, I like high jump. It's harder to tamper with high jump. <laughs> <laughs> you could pole tamper. Uh, just, just, set, just shave set, down set, one set edge. Off the bar, <laughs> the bar. On that note, do we have any bad? Um, I've got. I was trying to distinguish between bad and ugly. Yeah, I, my bad and ugly sort of overlap a bit. Do you want yeah. me to kick off? The bad is the bad is simple, right? The closing ceremony was a piece of garbage. Yeah, that was pretty rubbish. It was a fire. <laughs> it was a garbage bin. And fire not, not a good gold. one, like it stank. Yeah. So so basically the for listeners who missed no it, one the, showed low, up. the the low lights were no one showed up. They didn't show the parade of athletes. They ushered the athletes in early and there were seven speeches. 
And... Oh, God, is it like watching the end of the fucking Australian Open, but for 15 hours? Yes. yes. It's like my school speech night. Suddenly the PMSA <laughs> yeah, wants to fucking talk. That's what it was. It was the Commonwealth speech night. I want to go home. And the crowd was only at like a 40% capacity. And, and there was sorry, nobody it was, it was 40% stands. at the start, but then everyone kept leaving during all the speeches <laughs> and all the lights were down so no one knows. So they turned the lights on and the stadium was like a quarter full. It was like, what the shit? It was, like a, was, so it was like a magic trick. It was like a really... Match. It was really bad. And then watching everybody this morning, like, wind it back, like the, the Peter Beatties of the world coming oh, out, going like... Basil's So furious. we stuffed up. We stuffed up. It's like some PR consultant has said, just admit you were wrong and then move on. Uh, my, I always I always find it really fake when they, when they come out and admit they stuffed up straight away. I was like, if it was this clear you'd stuffed up, the surely be- it's somewhere along the line of the plan, someone would be like, guys, do we all need to speak? I mean, half of us spoke at the opening ceremony. <laughs> The best part was when even the commentators would be like, well, obviously something's gone wrong here. Oh, well, did you hear Joanna Griggs rip into them afterwards? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, because oh. Basil apparently was just not happy. And then yeah. Joanna was like, you're being, no, you're being nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. take it. I didn't Fucking see it. Lay the smack. What about the ugly? I've got a good one. I've, I've got it. I've got, can I open with the ugly? Yes, but I'm afraid you've got mine. Uh, okay. My, mine is the eight Cameroon athletes who vanished during the game. God damn it, Fisher. <laughs> they weren't from Cameroon. They were from, there was 13 of them. Eight were from Cameroon. And they, they were, were from, from a lot of countries. They were from Uganda. Do you know the way? Tom, and they Africa were from Rwanda and Sierra Leone as well. Yeah. And Cameroon were the first ones. Because Ipswich debuted their new Cameroonian backline in the league. <laughs> <laughs> That was a Batuta Advocate article. <laughs> steal jokes. Don't steal Hey, they the stole ours. They, they have a podcast now. That was quite good. Yeah. That was quite good. They have um, now but, become yeah. the Anyway, so basically to round out, a lot of um, African athletes went missing and it's not like the police have been contacted or anything. So basically these guys just wanted to get asylum in Australia. So Fisher, you know, it was a genocide in Rwanda 25 years ago, right? Like yeah. I also would want to leave. Yeah, but I'm also just... we're missing. Okay. So Peter Dutton has also come out and has said that they will be forcibly removed once they are found, if they have overstayed their visas. Yeah. Peter Dutton is missing an opportunity for us to create the Australian deadlift team. Oh. No, put them in the nets. <laughs> put them in the nets. I want to see him go. Throw some They could be Australia's next success story. Give them a go, Peter Dutton. Haven't they already added some sort of sporting prowess to the citizenship test? Have they? I hope so. So what if you can if you can if you can dunk? Oh yeah, you any good sport? <laughs> if you can, can you dunk, sport? you can stay. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> Are you any good at football, as in yeah. soccer? Yes, get out. <laughs> Can you keep anyway, sharing so, 60 metres? Just in case anyone wondered, Tommy Rogic is currently stateless. What? Yeah, because we took his passport off him because he was good at football. That's oh. why he lives in Scotland now. He still that, plays for the Socceroos though, right? Is that an extension of your uh, previous joke? Yes. Okay. Of course oh, it was. I was going to say, well, he had the last laugh, didn't he? What a goal. Um, did you have any ugly, Joe? Um, no. <laughs> Look, Jack, you didn't miss much, ultimately. I'm really glad I spent all this time playing FIFA instead. How is the team? Mate, uh, top of the league for the, I think, sixth season in a row. Time to up the difficulty. <laughs> it's still really hard, though. There <laughs> oh, goes Palmer, who picks it out of bounds on the floor. How could anyone do that? Unka. Gumnut of the week. Who is the biggest commoner in the wealth? This is Gumnut of the Week. G-N-O-T-W is uh, what it stands for. When you it's related to our Gmail password. Uh, there so, you go. There you go. <laughs>
<laughs> Don't tell them what comes before or after that. Uh, okay, so, where the caps are either. So, Gumnut of the Week time here. Uh, boys, quite a few good ones, I think, to actually choose from. Um, Fisher, I believe you have one you want to share with the group. I do. It's it's another ugly one from the Com Games, but we didn't Why get didn't to it. Why use it in the last segment, you goon? Because I want to save it for Gumnut of the Week. Saving really best gum-nutty. bushel for last. <laughs> um, so, this is BBC Breakfast Mike Bushel. Good, 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 good. Wow. That's, wow, that's very good. That's very good from you, Joe. Um, so he was interviewing members of the of England's Commonwealth Games swimming team poolside on Wednesday. Now, uh, so all the swimmers are sitting on the ledge of this little like plunge pool they've got on the side to keep warm, and he's realised, all right, they're sitting on the edge, so to get around, I'm going to have to step on the step in the pool. So he goes to step on the step, and then he says, I'm going to have to be very careful here because I've got the sound pack on. Immediately before he misjudges the step and falls in the pool, fully dressed with the mic on. Oh, that's good. That's good. Commentator like that. falls in pool is quite. I'm very, I'm very big on man falls down. What a damp boy. Yeah. So just for for very for the the uh, pardon the pun the dripping irony of saying I can't get this wet and then falling in Mike Bushel for the BBC. Nothing worse than a wet bushel, boys. I'll like, give you that one. Old for car. <laughs> car coming. I've also got a Com Games one for show. Uh, the obvious choice, but for less obvious reasons. Uh, the Honourable former Queensland Premier, Mr Peter Beatty. Of course, he is the, I think he's the, he's the chairman of the Commonwealth yeah. Games Committee. Yeah. Now, my gum nut isn't for him simply screwing up the games, right? <laughs> so it should be a piece of cake. It's for being bad at his job, Right. Okay. Now, a lot of people are bad at their jobs, but his job is literally to watch sports and then manage sports, right? His first strike in three was mentioning the Cronulla Hawks when he was referring to the Cronulla Sharks. No, that was someone else. And I, I did that. No, with, that was Peter Beattie. Peter Beattie. With Gus. No, he couldn't, couldn't get them. This was my nominee for Gumnut of the Week like two weeks Fisher, ago. Fisher, calm down. He's getting there. <laughs> right, we'll cut Fisher then. We'll cut Fisho out because he's being a worm. The second was during the games, he was giving an interview and he was, I think he was at Surfers Paradise, he was on camera and he, um, he's called over a kid in the crowd who's wearing a Barcelona jersey and he started asking the kid on camera about how much he loves the Knights and asking him if he's going to the Knights because oh! he's wearing a Knights jersey. <laughs> I don't know what gave it away, though, the fact that it said um, Barcelona on it or the big Qatar Airways. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was Carl saying, uh, nah, Peter, nah, Peter, that's a Barcelona jersey there, mate. So it's your second strike. You're oh. doing extremely well in the Champions League. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> Strengthened by the Mitchell Pearce signing. <laughs> but uh, no, the third strike, like not understanding league teams, like whatever, but the third strike was in his apology for the um the closing ceremony for the games. He said, yeah, look, it probably went for too long. The speeches probably went for too long. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have spoken, should I? <laughs> he, said that on, he said that in a tweet. So I think Peter Beattie, very successful politician. I think he was never properly challenged by the opposition, but he's been properly challenged by sports. So um, I like yeah, that. That's so good. I didn't know about the Barcelona yeah. thing. Just, just to, that just, was literally today. Yeah, just to add to that, just remi- reminder that he's also the chairman of the Australian Rugby League Commission. He should oh, cool. know who the Knights are. Yeah, he needs to well, know. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'll jump in next and... Um, there was a, a brief roundtable discussion before this segment uh, and everyone had my ones. Uh, so I've changed at the last minute 
But, um, boys, we've been following a fair bit of Premier League this season. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting and particularly interesting when you you don't watch very much of it. Uh, and the trick is to wake up the next morning and check Highlights. the score. Highlights real, very good. Uh, so I was particularly uh, you know interested to see when I woke up on on Sunday morning. City, Manchester City, having you know won twenty eight games, uh, lost three uh, in a pole position. If they won their game, to uh, to actually take it home really easily. And uh, if they won their game. They would have had the shot next week to win the league. All Manchester United had to do to stop this from happening was beat the lowest-ranked team <laughs> oh, at home. At, at home. home. I saw this. Manchester United successfully loses 1-0 oh. to fucking, uh, what's it called? West, West Brom. Brom. So West Bromwich Albion, wow. who are nine points behind clear of relegation currently. And probably they, won- on about an eighth of the bankroll. Yeah. So yep. basically, good on you, Manchester United, for oh, wow. uh, guaranteeing Manchester City the win. Well done for screwing the pooch. Fuck that one. Um, boys, I was very tempted to nominate the Brisbane Lions, who kicked their lowest score ever as a club this weekend. Two goals, five behinds, 17. Tom, that I think was the Premiership they... could still be on. Yep, it could still be on. Um, but instead, I'm going to bring you an update from the wonderful world of boxing, and even better, the wonderful world of... Uh, the wonderful world of American boxing. So a boxer in the States by the name of Rod Salka had printed on his boxing trunks uh, across the waistband a slogan that read, America first. And on the bottom of his trunks, there was some sort of a wall print. Problem was he was fighting a Mexican fighter uh, called Francisco Vargas. Obviously, America first. There was a wall on his trousers. He's trying to incite a little bit of political hate. And the Mexican guy absolutely beat the shit out of him. (laughs) And old uh, old mate Rod actually ended up quitting. So that doesn't usually happen Wait, in boxing. He threw his he own threw towel in the towel he had to duck himself. after five rounds. You, he you, dacked himself. You literally throw in the towel in boxing. Yes, he yeah. he literally dacked himself after five rounds. So for being all politically charged and Mister Macho Muscle on the boxing trunks, but then uh, giving up <laughs> that backfired. That backfired royal against the Mexican Francisco Vargas, and another fantastic example of why boxing is a sport that none of us should pay attention to. All right, let's have a vote in order. Be show. Um, so I would vote for Joe because Peter Beattie is a spud, but you stole my nom from Gumnut a few weeks ago and butchered it. So I'm going to go vote for Tom for... Can you not Tom. have such a long memory? No. We've got like three <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but you, they don't get callbacks. <laughs> yeah, we have three <laughs> listeners and never, never the same three. <laughs> Tom, I was going to vote for you, but for calling me out, I'm going to vote for Jack. Jack See, it's all just vote. spiteful. Joe? Um, look, I have to go for um, Rocket Rod for dacking himself. And again, I think it's a massive double-edged sword when you go political. And he got the absolute chili refried You got the chili con beans. You got the chili con can kicked out of him by Vargas. <laughs> Good on you, Vargas. Uh, Rod, you're a spud. Yeah, I've got to go on exactly the same bandwagon. That is uh, pure gum nuttery, what a knob. Exactly. I'm going to vote for the commentator that fell in the pool, but also to spite. I forgot about that. Oi! Okay, so thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'll take that win. Uh, thank you very much. This has been Gumnut Sports. Thank you for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, we just realised that we are very, very closely coming up to our first anniversary. Woo. Our birthday. How cute is that? So. 
tell your mum to listen because if she doesn't, we'll have to close next week. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned for that. We're going to do something special. Don't know where it is yet. We'll probably just go to the pub um, and record and not a, record, and not an, record episode. an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a good time. Until next week, bye.